Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. And so in Acts chapter 1 this morning, we're going to continue looking at the power and the authority that we have as followers of Christ. And so just as the world changed on September 11th of uh, 2001, I want to dive in and look at another life-changing, world-changing event that Jesus is actually preparing his disciples for. And we see this here in Acts chapter 1. And so last week, we, we took a look at the first three verses. And in the first couple of verses there, we're reminded of the work that Jesus began to do. And that work that Jesus began to do is our theme for this next year as we look at this work. Again, the two parts we talked about last week were rooted and together. These two words, rooted and together, we want to be rooted in Jesus Christ. So what I kind of envision when I think about this is like an anchor. Whenever you want to go out on a boat and you want to stay somewhere, you throw out your anchor and you make sure that it, that it is um, anchored into the ground, that you've got a tight spot there so that you do not move. So we are rooted or, or we are anchored in Jesus Christ. But we not only stop there at being rooted in Christ, but we continue that in being together. Because we know that God never designed us to be alone, but we have to have this togetherness. And so in Acts chapter 1, if you'll follow along with me, we want to actually see what Luke is writing to us about. So this is a continuation of his first book, which was the Gospel of Luke. And it continues here. So that first work was about the work that Jesus, the book was about the work that Jesus began to do. And so we're picking that up here. So let's start back at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now remember here, Luke said he wrote about the things that he began to do. If you weren't with us last week, I want to encourage you, go to our Facebook page at Whitechapel Church or go to our YouTube page. If you go to YouTube, you can search for Whitechapel Church and watch the sermon from last week because this is the launching point for what we're going to look at in being rooted together in studying the book of Acts. The key part here in verse 2, again, just as a reminder, it's the work that Jesus began to do. Luke did not say the work that Jesus did. So that there was a period at the end of that. That there was a complete work and it was over. Absolutely it was over on the cross and defeating sin. Absolutely it was finished there when Jesus said that. And then the consequences of sin was defeated with the empty tomb. So yes, absolutely that. But that work that Jesus did did not stop there. And Luke reminds us of that before the church is actually established here in Acts chapter 2. He said, Jesus began these works, and it is continued through the power of the Holy Spirit that we'll now read about. 
And then verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Just imagine actually being there with the disciples. Imagine all that's taking place in this passage of Scripture. Just a few short verses here give us amazing insight if we can begin to think about what was taking place when Jesus was crucified and he came back to life defeating death. And then Luke says he spent about 40 days with his disciples and he gave them so many proofs that he was crucified and he had actually been risen. I wish that Luke here, that investigator doctor that he was, had given us a little bit more insight to what some of these proofs are. We know some of the things that are recorded in the gospel, so we get some of that, but I wish that there was actually more. What were these proofs? Not that we need any more proof, because we know that Jesus was crucified and then he rose back to life. It's been written about by dozens upon dozens upon dozens of and witnessed what took place, not just in the scripture, but in other historical documents. And so we know that Jesus was crucified and he came back to life. And in these 40 days, so this little over a month in our time, in our calendar, Jesus actually told them about some important things. Luke says here, he talked to them about the kingdom he doesn't give us any more insight or other teachings that Jesus did. He says during this time, he talked to them about the kingdom. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, verse 3, and spoke about the kingdom of God. So if Jesus had lived his 33 or so years on earth, he had his ministry the end of that, he was crucified, he came back to life and rose from the grave on the third day. Then in this 40-day period before Jesus ascended, he talked to them, Luke said, about the kingdom of God. And if this is the case, and I believe the word of God is 100% accurate, <clears throat> excuse me, if this is the case, then what Jesus talked about in these 40 days are extremely important. We can go back and we can look at what it is about the kingdom in the Gospels while Jesus was alive that he taught us about. 
And I have preached messages about that. Other amazing uh, uh, um, uh, preachers have preached amazing messages about this. And so I want to talk about this kingdom for a few minutes that Jesus actually discussed during this 40-day period. The resurrection of Jesus was the most climatic event in all of human history. Because as we've discussed, this is what everything was about from Genesis chapter 3. The death, the burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God showing that he had power over the work of the enemy. And now, after his resurrection, in this period that we're reading about today, before his ascension into heaven, we read that um, in, chapter, or in uh, um, verses 9, 10, and 11. So in this 40-day period, there were two things that actually took place. And so I want to put this on the screen because I, wanna, I want you to catch that this morning because here's where we're going to put our anchor today. One, Jesus spent 40 days preparing his followers for the mission that he had entrusted to them and explaining the kingdom of God. That's verse 3 that I just read. He preached about the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God for this 40-day period. And then the second thing, Jesus entrusted his disciples or instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's verse 4. So look at verse 4. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. That's a direct command. He did not say to them, go and hang out and spend some time and see what happens in Jerusalem. He didn't give them any other instruction than a direct command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Stay there as long as it takes. While you're there for the feast, stay and do not wait or do not go. And then he said, this is why. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So these two things are vital for the disciples, for these apostles. And they are vital for us as well in the church today in 2022. Just as the world changed on 9-11, the church was about to change here in Acts chapter 2. Groundbreaking events were about to change everything because Jesus said, I'm going to tell you about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is going to come, and that's the Holy Spirit. For the church to be established, these two things are important. Now, sometimes we confuse the message of God's kingdom with the priorities of our own kingdom because we forget about the kingdom of God. We think that we become a part of the kingdom of God, and as we become a part of the kingdom of God, our priorities come with us into the kingdom of God. But that is not what Jesus has instructed them to do. He said, you have to wait, and whenever you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit that he's told them about, then you will experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. Because you will not operate on your own power or authority, but instead you will be changed to operate on the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. 
So do you see that whenever we become a part of the kingdom of God, we no longer take our own priorities with us into the kingdom, but instead we lay our priorities at the feet to be sacrificed so that we can operate under his power and his authority, the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Jesus would have said to his disciples, go now. Just start right now. I've told you all of this. You've spent hours and thousands and thousands of hours. You spent three, three and a half years with me, Jesus could have said to his disciples. You know what I've taught about. You've written some of this down. It's changed some lives. You've seen the dead raised back to life. You've seen people healed. The blind have been able to see. You've seen demons cast out of people. Now go do that. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you can't operate on your own power. You cannot operate in your own priorities. You have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to wait so that the church being established, the kingdom of God being finalized, would be the authority that they would then soon operate with. And so we actually see Jesus beginning the work, as Luke told us here in Luke chapter 1, or I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 1, verse number, verse 2. Jesus began to do these works. Jesus started the work. He did not finish, but it had to be transferred to human beings. Well, how was that possible? Because we did not see the disciples doing all of this work. They were frustrated, and they wanted to send people away at times. They wanted to isolate Jesus and not even allow the children to come to Jesus. They were arguing at one time who was going to be the greatest when the kingdom of God was established, which it was about to be done here in Acts chapter 2. Jesus began the work, and now it had to be transferred into the hands of human beings. The only way that is possible is for us to actually become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God being in us, so the work that Jesus began, we could continue to do. This was not only work for the apostles here in Acts chapter 1, it would then be transferred to other people who experienced the power of God and were infilled with the Holy Spirit so that it would continue past the death of the, death of the disciples, death of the, the apostles, so that when the apostles died, the work of Jesus wasn't finished. If God wanted it to be done that way, it would have ended whenever he died. But it didn't end. Luke said, Jesus began this work. It was passed to the apostles. It was passed to those in the early church. And then it is now passed and is our responsibility. But listen, it's our responsibility but it is not our agenda that is operating. It's his agenda. And that's why Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. In these 40 days, he could have given them all kinds of instructions. He could have told them so many things, but he didn't. Luke says he talked to them about the kingdom of God. That's all Luke records. For 40 days... He said, I've already told you all of this stuff. I've already 
uh, instructed you about the kingdom of God. You can go back and look. In the book of Matthew alone, the kingdom of God is mentioned about 29 times alone in the book of Matthew. From Jesus' actually teaching, from Jesus' actual teachings, we see over and over again Jesus talking to them about the kingdom of God. Because the people of God wanted a kingdom, but they were looking for a physical kingdom. And they were frustrated with Jesus because he did not come to establish that physical kingdom. They wanted Jesus to not be born meek and mild. They wanted Jesus to come immediately riding a white horse to wipe out all authority and to sit on a throne in Jerusalem and to there then establish a physical kingdom. But Jesus didn't do that. So they crucified him. They said, well, this must be not the guy then because we've asked him question after question after question. We've talked to him about this kingdom that he's been talking to us about. And he's not coming here to set up a kingdom. He's not going to sit on a throne here. And so this cannot be the guy. He has to be a lunatic. Now, we have to resolve that amongst ourselves as well. Either Jesus established a kingdom or he didn't establish a kingdom. And he did, but it wasn't physical. It was a spiritual kingdom. Now, look at what Jesus has instructed them about. Two things. We'll go back to these two things again, because you have to catch this before we get to Acts chapter 2. First thing, Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God. Forty days, 40 days in his resurrected body. And then he said to the apostles, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. So obviously, these two have to be linked together. Now God was saying, I'm moving out of the building, and I'm moving into my people. And there was a change so that we then now are the actual temple of the Holy Spirit. And we, just like in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 where we see everything was good, we now have the presence of God with us continually. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I just said to Melissa uh, a couple of days ago, we were having lunch or dinner or something, and it was just the two of us. And I always pray. It's a, it's a very similar prayer whenever we, whenever we stop to eat, and it's my turn to pray. And I always thank the Lord for the food. I ask him to be with us, and then I say just a couple of other things. Very, very similar prayer every time we eat. And in the moment that I was praying, it was as if the Lord uh, pierced my heart. And I said to Melissa after the prayer, I, ha- I think I have to stop asking the Lord to be with me, to be with us. Because he's with us. I think I have to change my prayer and say thank you for your presence with us. And celebrate that fact and not ask for something that I already have. Listen, God is with us. But God does not want to reside in this building alone. If that were the case, we would have a tabernacle or have a temple If that were the case, we would be crying out like the disciples here when they said, Lord, is this what you're going to do? Are you going to come now? Are you going to set up this kingdom? Are you going to be right here? And we're going to come and we're going to be right there with you. And there's where we're going to be. There was a change and we have to operate and celebrate in that change so that God is with us. Every morning when you get up, you should say to yourself, God, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for being with me today. And then operate as if he's really with you. 
Mm, that one didn't get many amens. <laughs> Morgan, what is it you usually say? Come on, that's what you, come on. That's what Morgan says. Yeah. I got to take some lessons from Morgan this week. Wednesday, we'll get some lessons. You can get, come and instruct me. Listen, we have to operate like God is with us. We have to thank him for being with us because he is with us. Now listen, I never want to get to a place to where God's not with us. God can leave us. He can take his presence from us. And that is a dark, dark place. And I never want us to go there. So if he so chooses to be with us, we can't manipulate him. We can't turn things around. We can't try to bring the presence of God. It's his choice. And if he so chooses to be with us, then we have to orchestrate our lives to live lives of thanks for the presence that he has chose to actually be with us. You see, there are two things, two things after his resurrection that Jesus dealt with. For 40 days, he talked about the kingdom of God. And the second, he told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Listen, these two things go together. They go together. And that's what Jesus was tackling from the questions from the apostles right here in Acts chapter 1. You can't separate the kingdom of God from the presence of the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand together because the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom and we are the temple. We are the ones that he chose to give the power and the authority. The kingdom of God is coupled with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom was taken back at the cross, and the enemy was reminded at the empty tomb. It arrived in Acts chapter 2, and it continues operating in us in this refuge of grace in 2022. We are a part of the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 17, again, Luke writing here, verse 20 and 21, Luke says, once, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, hmm, a similar question that we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, right? God, is this it? You told us to wait for the Holy Spirit. So now are you going to set it up? Now are you going to establish the kingdom? Well, here are the... Pharisees are asking the question. Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Well, wait just a minute. If it was a physical kingdom, and we're looking for Jesus to come and sit on a throne, then Jesus was a liar in Luke 17, verse 20. Because he said, it's not something that can be observed. It's, it's not something that we're actually going to see Jesus come and build a temple and set up a throne. I've been amazed this week in watching how in the United Kingdom there's been a shift for the passing of the queen to now we're passing to her son and the king is now taking the throne and all of the things that they have to go through and all of the rituals and it wasn't just something that was immediate, but there had to be official proclamations. There had to be certain events that actually took place. And then now it's been established in the United Kingdom. It's gone to Scotland. It's gone to Ireland. And it's gone to other territories. And now the king is finally the king. But you know what? He hasn't been crowned the king just yet. There's another official thing that actually has to take place 
And then after the funeral, and then there's a certain number of days, and Parliament has to meet, and, and several different things have to take place, and then it's made official with the coronation. But Jesus said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Well, what was it that Jesus was talking about that Luke, remember, he said, I've thoroughly investigated these things, and I believe these things to be 100% true. What is it that Jesus was talking about when Luke says to us, the kingdom of God is actually in your midst? Well, what was it? That was God coming in the flesh, the presence of God in the flesh, so that he could be the sacrifice defeat sin he could be raised from the dead so that he could defeat the consequences of sin and then after that had happened it's this transition period kind of like the united kingdom is in right now in this transition period so that one thing has taken place jesus died and he arose and for 40 days here's this transition period and jesus talked about the kingdom of god now, Jesus said, it's not something that can be observed. Now, they observed Jesus dying on the cross. They actually went to the empty tomb, and they saw the empty tomb. They saw that. But you know what? None of that was the kingdom. Now we're in this 40-day transition period. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you about the kingdom. And then you have to wait. Don't leave. Just wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for that power. The kingdom of God was achieved by the way of the cross. But it was crowned officially in Acts chapter 2 that we'll look at next week at the arrival of the Holy Spirit when the bride of Christ, the church, was actually established. Because it was at that moment that the power was transferred from the king to us, the brothers and sisters of Christ, God's own sons and daughters, so that we then become the ones operating in this kingdom. It wasn't just Jesus. He began the work, Luke said, and now that has to be transferred to us. Only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, could we even begin to do that work because we don't have any power. We operate in his power. We don't have any authority. We operate under his authority. And so we go with his authority and we go in his power operating in the spiritual kingdom that God has invited us to be a part of. The hope of the early church was the kingdom that was established by the king. And every kingdom has a king. And I know we don't like that in America, right? We separated ourselves from the United Kingdom because we don't want a king. But listen, you have a king of your life. You have a king of your life. There's somebody that is sitting on the throne of your heart. And you have to give an account for who it is that's sitting on your heart's throne. Are you sitting there operating in your own power and your own authority and your own agenda? Or have you stepped off of the throne and said, God, I need you to wash me and cleanse me. And now I want you to be the king of my life. Let me please be a part of your kingdom. Who is sitting on your heart's throne? Jesus dealt with that. 
And he's told his disciples, now I've dealt with that. Now you need authority and power. Whenever you have settled who's on your heart's throne, then you can begin to take back that power that's operating there. And the way you do that is by yielding to Jesus and then yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's a two-part process. It was accomplished at the cross and the empty tomb. And then it was established in Jerusalem. And I chuckle because that's where they wanted Jesus to set up a physical kingdom. They wanted him to, to build his throne there. And they wanted God to come, Jesus, to come and sit on the throne right there in Jerusalem. And Jesus used Jerusalem because that's what the prophets of old told us it was going to happen. It was going to happen in Jerusalem. And it did happen in Jerusalem. That we'll see next week when we get into Acts chapter 2. It happened there. It was established. And we have to make sure that our heart has Jesus and the Holy Spirit sitting on our heart's throne. He's our king. He is our king, Whitechapel. We are servants and children of the king. Look at what Jesus said again in verse 4 and 5 and then 7 and 8. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word baptized there could also be uh, translated as filled with or infilled with the Holy Spirit. If we were to take that word and flesh it out a little bit further, it simply means possessed. We think about possession when it comes to the enemy. We think of people being possessed. We say, man, they're possessed. Well, finish the sentence. What are you possessed with? Because some of us are possessed with ourselves. We're so full of ourselves, there's no room for the Spirit. But listen, we don't need to be possessed by anything except for the King. You see, when this word says you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, take out the word baptized and put possessed. You will be possessed with the Holy Spirit. That just simply means belonging to, controlled by. There is an operator that is operating somebody. Listen, we need to be people that are possessed by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, it is vital for you. Listen, some of us have come to Jesus and given Jesus our heart, but we never let the Holy Spirit possess us. We say, God, I want you to be the king of my life. Oh, by the way, if I could just hold on to this or I could hold on to that, then you can be the king. Just let me keep this little stuff over here. You see, that's not being filled with or baptized by the Holy Spirit or possessed by the Holy Spirit. He either possesses you or he does not possess you. There is no giving God 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%, or even 99%. You're either in or you are out. You're either possessed by or you are not possessed by. So I ask you again the question, who is the king on your heart?
the whole heart because there are not multiple thrones of your heart. You're either possessed by God, surrendered completely to God, or you're not. Because if you're controlling a certain area, then he's not possessing all of you. You see, we think that it's okay to God to give God our heart, but nothing else. He doesn't want your heart. He wants all of you. He created all of you. And he wants all of you. Our God is a selfish God. And that's a beautiful thing. Because whenever we give him everything, the little and the ugly that we have all of a sudden becomes beautiful. And that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He wants to empower you. He wants to infill you. He wants to baptize you. He wants to possess you because he loves you. And there's no good like his good. He is a good, good father. And he wants to give you that goodness. But in order to experience that goodness, you've got to step into his kingdom and get out of the outer courts and get into the depth of his kingdom. And that's the work that he's inviting the disciples to experience right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says, wait, please, please wait. Don't go on your own. Please wait. Wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to fill you, to possess you so that you can experience the goodness, the complete 100% goodness of God. And then Jesus says, verse 7 and 8, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have you ever experienced life without power? Life without power. Some of us are battling things in our life, and it seems like we take one step forward and ten steps backwards. You see, when that happens, you're not operating on your own power. You can't move forward once and backward ten times and gain any ground. That is exhausting work. And Jesus said, I don't want you to live life that way. I want you to live life to the full. Well, how do we get full? Not by operating on our own power, which can be depleted, but instead of operating in his power, which is never-ending and conquers everything. So are you tired in life? Have you been wrestling with things that you think are just never going to end? Maybe we need an exchange of power and say, God, I'm just tired. I've been battling in my own power. I've done the selfish thing thinking that I could operate in my authority. I could go do what I wanted to do. But instead, now I want to exchange power and I want to operate under your power. So you see what Jesus said here in verse 7 and 8 is you're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes. 
And then when you get that power, you're going to be my witnesses. First, he talked about the kingdom. He talked about the arrival of the Holy Spirit. He talked about the power that we get in the Holy Spirit. And then he said, you're going to be my witnesses. So in preparing for this message, um, I actually, it was the Lord, because I, I don't have this good of a, rem- um, I don't have a good remembery. I, I don't have a good, um, I don't have a good memory. But the Lord pricked my heart and reminded me that Pastor Gary actually preached a message on Acts chapter 1. Whenever he first came and was installed as what you all described as the for now pastor. So I went back and I was praying, Lord, I hope that this is on our YouTube channel. And it's there. I encourage you to go watch it. It was at the beginning of 2019. So go look it up. You can go to our YouTube channel and you can type in Acts 1 and it'll come up. I actually went and I watched that message. And Pastor Gary said something that was important then. It's important now, three years later, that I want you to catch. Pastor Gary said, the degree of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life will be reflected in the level of your witness. Whew, that's power, you want to see how much Holy Spirit and whose power you're operating under? Well, it's reflected in the level of your witness. Because you see what Jesus told his disciples would happen? When you get that power, when you get that power, you're going to go be a witness. He didn't say you're going to get that power and all of a sudden you're going to be raising people from the dead. That's, that's not what Jesus pointed out here in verse 7 and 8, 7 and 8 of Acts chapter 1. He said, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witness. You're going to go tell people about Jesus. And I agree wholeheartedly that the degree of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life will be reflected in the level of your witness. This is a litmus test, if you will, for us on how much power of the Holy Spirit that we're actually receiving. So, how often are you a witness for Jesus Christ? Now, there are some times that God does want to do miraculous things because it's through us, because it's those things that some people need to cause their hearts to collapse and surrender right in those moments. So God does do those things through us. So I'm not saying that the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't lead to miracles because it does, and I've witnessed it. I'm saying that that power is used for one thing. That's to be a witness for Jesus. Because it's all about getting people to Jesus Christ. I don't want to get them to me. I don't want to get people to Whitechapel Church. We have Whitechapel Church so that we can get people to Jesus. And that level of the Holy Spirit in our life is reflected in our witness. So you know how you can tell if Jesus is on your heart's throne? You know how you can tell if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? It's if you're being a witness for Jesus Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the rest of the world. How often are you being a witness for Jesus? How often do you shine the light 
of Jesus Christ. How often are you operating in the Holy Spirit's power? So this morning at the close of our service, I want to ask you to either renew the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life or to transfer the power from self to our king's power. This is how we win this region to Jesus Christ. It's not by great programs in a church. It's not by running a school or a thrift store or uh, outreach center. It's not, it's not by doing any of this stuff. It's simply by witnessing under the Holy Spirit's power what God has done in each one of our lives and in the lives of those who've come before us. Whenever we are operating under his power, it's not about us any longer. It's about him. You will be my witnesses so that other people, other people live lives surrendered to Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.